Welcome to Moving Through and Beyond, a podcast dedicated to sharing inspired journeys of redefining life, vision, and purpose after immense hardship and grief. My goal with this podcast is to give you hope and to let my guest journeys inspire you to make the choice to keep looking up. I'm your host, Carrie Conley. Hey, everybody, this is Carrie Conley. I am the host of Moving Through and Beyond the podcast. And I am very excited to bring on this guest with me today. Uh, she is a woman that reached out to me. I don't even know, remember how we got connected, Jackie, but um, we are on the same mission and she's going to be sharing a lot about that today. So I am thrilled to introduce you guys to a friend of mine, Jackie Simmons. Jackie, thank you for being here. You are very, very, very welcome. And actually, it's only fair play that I'm on your podcast because I think you were on the Suicide Prevention Show. Yes, ma'am. And it's hard, you know, through all the COVID years, because everything's such a blur to think, how many years ago was that? I'm thinking it was like three years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, I was honored to be a part of that. And I'm honored that we are collaborating in this mission um, in teen suicide prevention. But I would love it if you would kind of share a little bit about your story and how you came to be on this mission. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Somebody said, Jackie, we want you to take a TEDx stage, but only if you'll talk about how to end teen suicide. And I went, you got to be kidding me. I don't want to talk about this. And I didn't want to talk about it. And just spoiler alert, I got lucky. My daughter survived. The guilt nightmare that I lived was not any fun. And we managed to sort of put it behind us. You know, we kind of sidestepped it. My daughter got all the help from the ages of 14 to 37. And so 23 years, you know, we just didn't really talk about it. And she was part of my business. She was coaching at one of my events and she was participating. And so the big graduation, she gave this seven minute talk, what we call a message that matters. Oh my God, Carrie, she looked amazing. Her hair was put back and flowery blouse and skirt. Yeah, just, and she was nervous. You know, that nervous, excited state yeah, you get yes. in. She was first up. She walked up, shook my hand, and she was so confident. So I'm I'm in the back of the room and she starts with the startling statistics. It's a great way as her speaker coach. I'm really proud. That's a great way to start a short talk. And then it landed 3000 a day, 3000 a day. That's the number of teens who attempt to take their own lives every day, just in the U S this was August 3rd, 2019. This is pre COVID. And the number was that high. And in the back of the room, I was shocked twice. First, because I had no idea the number was that high. And second, because I had no idea suicide was her topic. Her next sentence was when I was 14. And for the first time outside of professional help, she shared about her multiple suicide attempts. And in the back of the room, I'm like pale. I could feel the blood drain out of my face. Um, you ever been hijacked by a bad memory? <laughs> Remember who you're talking to, Jackie. <laughs> yeah. 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 She continued with, 
a real, she broke the, she, great talk. I mean, her next sentence was about the other talks we had. We had to talk about sex and about drugs and about alcohol. And then she went to college on a dry campus and told the whole world that that meant the kegs were hidden in the girls' dorm showers. So great talk. And then she said she still struggled with suicidal thoughts. And I went from pale to bone cold because I realized the struggle she had faced alone because I was scared to talk about it. Yeah. And granted, I say it all the time. Would you want to know what caused your kids so much pain? They thought dying was better than living. Well, I didn't want to. So I hid behind the idea that I could put the thought back in her head. Now I know that's a myth. I know it's a myth. Um, when it comes to suicide, silence is not golden. Silence is deadly. And Stephanie ended her talk saying that along her suicide avoidant journey, she's learned tons of coping skills. And now she wants to share those skills with teens before they need them. Mary, those four words are the most uh, provocative that I have ever heard. Yeah, after that day, we've started working together. You know, we've published a couple of books. We've put together some trainings and we were trying to find our way in this whole suicide prevention world. And one day I realized nobody, no suicide prevention program focuses on before they need the skills. They all have the same entrance requirement a mental health diagnosis, an at-risk label, you know, or a previous attempt. So one day we figured out that this was simple and obvious, that the world had just sort of missed it. If you want to end suicide among 13-year-olds 10 years from now, you teach emotional resilience skills to three-year-olds today. Right. We are and so on the same path, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for the parents, too. Yeah. So I want to unpack some of this just real quickly, Jackie. Um, so your daughter was 14. And did you, you know, the big question I always get, and I'm sure you did too, um, because for those of you listening who don't know this, I've lost both my husband and my uh, son to suicide. And I think the biggest question everybody has and sometimes asks is, what were the signs? Did you, did you see it coming? And what were the signs? All right. This was so prevalent. We did a suicide risk factor assessment. It can still be found online. And when someone takes the assessment, they will discover what I know to be true. We're all at risk. We're all in the second highest risk group because we all now, thanks to media, know someone who took their own life. And according to the Center for Disease Control, that's a risk factor. So we're all at risk. Instead of asking where there are signs, by the way, if you're a parent, I'm going to let you off the hook. You are hardwired. Your reticular activating system is set to my kid's okay. What does that mean? It's going to screen out any signs that might be there. So instead of asking what are the signs, let's ask how do we prevent suicidal thoughts from getting stuck in someone's head in the first place? Suicidal thoughts are normal, by the way. Freud said they are part of our natural worst case scenario problem solving mechanism in our brain. They're normal. The only challenge is when they get hooked and they get hooked for a bunch of different reasons, which we're going to get into in just a second. 
But Carrie, instead of talking about all of this, what if we just give everybody the talk that saves lives? We give them the talk that they have before they think they need it. Yeah, I think this is a brilliant way to spend our time, Jackie. All right, so here's the deal. Parents, you go to have a talk with your kid about sex, you might get what I got. My oldest daughter, when I went to sit her down, she said, sure, mom, we can talk about sex. What do you want to know? When it comes to talking about suicide, kids are really good at rolling their eyes. So here's what we did. We went sideways on them. So I'm going to just pretend that we haven't talked and here's how it goes. You ready? Hey, Carrie, I'm part of the mission to end suicide. They gave me a guide. I need to practice. Do you have a few minutes to help me practice my guide? It's only four questions. Sure. Cool. All right. So let's start. Oh, I have to tell you the rules. The first rule, there's only one. For the first three questions, you can only answer yes or no. And then on the fourth question, you can tell me as much as you want. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Here we go. Question one. Carrie, have you heard about the rise in suicides? Yes. Thank you. Carrie, do you have a story? Do you have a friend who's tried or died? Yes. Thank you. Carrie, have you ever thought of leaving that way? No. Thank you. Hey, Carrie, why stay? What are your reasons for staying? This is beyond a yes or no answer, right? Yeah, this is the fourth question. Question four, why stay? Why stay? Uh, my family, number one, mm -hmm. uh, they are everything to me, and I know that I'm important to them. And because I've been through this twice, Jackie, I could never even think about inflicting that kind of pain on somebody else. And I know what my purpose is here now uh, with you know the pain that I've been through. I know what it is I'm called to do, and it's what keeps me going every day. Awesome. Another way to think about this, Carrie, is what's so good about your life that you want more of it? Uh, the, the fact that I get to do what I love every single day. It's a choice that I made a long time ago to speak and coach and now do this podcast. Uh, the time I get to travel, I love it with friends and meeting new people. And obviously, again, my family. Cool. When we have this talk with our kids or our friends or our family, the more we ask more, why else? Tell me more. And what's happening in your brain is something that I'm going to take everybody on a geek out of neuroscience for just about four seconds. Here we go. Those first questions are carefully crafted, closed-ended questions that agitate any angst, any grief, any belief systems around suicide. And then with the fourth question, we deathly steal. And I'm not a big fan of stealing, but we steal all of that electricity from those neural pathways and redirect it into a new neural pathway. And the more reasons for staying someone can share with you, the more that pathway is being built out into a new network. And that network has a label. It's labeled reasons for staying. So now your reticular activating system, that 
thing in your brain that filters out 90% of what's going on around us so we don't get insane and lets in the 10% that closely aligns with what we believe has a new setting. So now a naturally occurring thought of leaving hits this new filter setting reasons for staying and the thought doesn't stay around as long. And we get story after story about how this works. Now, I've got two things I want to share because I don't want to leave anybody hanging. If you go to the Teen Suicide Prevention Society.com website and get the guide, it's all free, and you have this talk with someone and you get to question three, thoughts of leaving, and they say, yes, they've had thoughts of leaving, you still respond with only thank you. And you get to reasons for staying and they do not have any reasons for staying. We say stay with them and dial 911. They'll hate you for it. And you might save their life. But Carrie, with the thousands of talks that we've done and that people have reported back to us, care to guess what percentage of the time people have that combination of yes to thoughts of leaving and no to reasons for staying? What do you think? The percentage? Mm-hmm. I have no idea, Jackie, but I know you do. Yeah, well, just a guess. Reframe, ask me the question again in a different way so I make sure that I am understanding. With the thousands of talks where people have used the guide, how many of those talks have someone said that yes, they have thoughts of leaving and no, they have no reasons for staying? I would think that it's a lower percentage. You're on the right track. It's zero. Zero. And the reason is because people who are struggling with suicidal thinking, people who are dealing with depression, they lie. It's called masking. They will lie and they will tell you they have reasons for staying and they will make them up and they will get very engaged. They will get very excited. And you know what's hysterical about this? They are building out the exact same new neural pathway labeled reasons for staying. They are building out that same buffer between them and an edge that you don't even know whether or not they're near. Because this is how the brain really works. Oh, and um, we did kind of pull a fast one on your audience because something else in the brain called mirror neurons. So while you were answering the questions, their brain was playing along with the whole three closed-ended questions. And as soon as you started reasons for staying, their brain goes, oh, I wonder if she's going to say this. And I didn't think of that. And maybe she's going to have this. And all of a sudden, everybody listening to this has had that same buffer built out. What? Yeah. I think this is so brilliant, Jackie, that you have come up with this. And I know that they can find these questions on the website as well, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What I think to your point, that is also what we need to circle back around to is to have these conversations with people just way before Mm -hmm. there's even a sign, right? If you're waiting for a sign, you're looking for trouble. Carrie, you know as well as I do, but maybe the audience doesn't. We are living in a day and an age where often the first sign that someone's in trouble is an attempt And they don't all survive. Yeah, so true. Jackie, when you were going through this with your daughter and before you created 
uh, this organization. What helped you get through that for other parents who are maybe struggling through that with their kiddos right now? I struggled with two bouts of clinical depression myself in my early adulthood. The challenge is that emotionally resilient parents tend to raise emotionally resilient kids. And so the apple never falls far from the tree. What got me through, same thing that got Stephanie through, counseling, therapy, medications. You know, with her, it was also interventions and hospitalizations. What really got me through was the moment that I went from being depressed to being angry. And that moment was when I had worked through all of the medical, they could get me stable, but they could not cure me. And so I studied Eastern healing arts, figuring they've been at this longer. I'm certified in three different energetic healing arts and they don't have a cure either. They don't even talk in terms of permanent cure. But I wanted permanent cure for my depression. I was so, after two bouts, I was so afraid of falling back into that abyss. I would not talk with my sisters if they were upset. I would not work with a client who was struggling with depression. Why? Because I knew how mirror neurons worked and I was scared. Oh, by the way, I was also a stress management consultant. Not working with depressed people was not good for my bottom line. What got me through was getting angry. I figured I got the body, I got the spirit, I studied the mind and I went into mediation and language and learned all about how communication really works because the conversation that we have with ourselves is the only one that matters. That's where the game of life is played is inside our heads, helping people crack open what's happening in their other than conscious mind became my mission because I needed it for me. When I finally added the emotional side, body, mind, spirit, got me stable like a three-legged elephant. As soon as I tried a new relationship or whatever, it was crazy. So adding in the understanding of emotion and I got certified in somatic intuitive healing and I got certified in, uh, you name it, mind hacks. And I, I'm, I'm a multi-certified expert, not because I'm so smart, but because I'm so stubborn. I wasn't going to quit. I stopped taking antidepressants in April of 2003. I have been 20 years depression free. Wow. That's awesome. I know so many parents listening to this, Jackie, especially those again, that may, you have to understand, and I'm sure you have this too, that once people hear my story, I get a lot of moms, parents coming to me saying, Hey, I'm really, really worried about my son or daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, what should I be doing? Uh, you know, um, Something. That's the answer. The answer is something. It does not matter what. It doesn't matter what. Breaking the silence is the key. So you can use this guide. We've got a why not workbook. You want to break open that echo chamber in their head because what happens is they have a thought of leaving. They're afraid to talk about it. Why? They don't want to be a burden on their family. Reason number one. Reason number two, they don't want to be made to go see somebody. Reason number three, all the suicide prevention programs say, we love you. It's safe. Tell us that you're struggling. It's going to be okay. And then they see their friends hauled out of a guidance counselor's office in handcuffs by cops and taken away for three days for a psychiatric hold. That does not feel safe to them. 
So they don't talk. So how do you break it open? Oh my God. So breaking open that echo chamber, the first thing you want to do is coat them with emotional Teflon so the thoughts don't stick around in the first place. That's what the guide does. Second thing you want to do is the why not workbook. Third thing you want to do, get some emotional intelligence playing cards. We've got a partner who has them. We've got the training for logic, for thinking, but values-based decision-making. Hook up with you, Carrie. I mean, you've got all of these programs. The reality is we will never have emotionally resilient kids until we have emotionally resilient parents. And if parents start investing in themselves, the kids will be okay. Such good stuff, Jackie. And so what I love about you is you are willing to say the stuff that people need to hear. And that's the world we have to live in right now. You know, uh, you said this earlier in the podcast that a lot of parents would say, no, not my child. They're fine. We're good. We're happy. Um, it's a belief system that keeps us from you know, never being able to sleep. It's there for a reason. It's, it's just how the brain works. And if people would just pause long enough to say it doesn't matter that my kid is okay, what matters is that I do everything I can for them. If you give your kids vitamins, you need to have this talk with them. If you care enough about them to give them a vitamin pill, and by the way, I'm working with some nutritionally dense foods. We're going to make vitamins go away, I think. But if you care enough to care about their nutrition, you care enough to care about their grades and their future employability, do you think maybe you might want to care enough about whether or not they're still alive to become an employee that you have this talk? Thank you, Jackie. Girl, you are on fire. And I am on a, this mission with you because I, you know, I'm a grandma now, uh, as you know, and I have to tell you, my my thoughts about how they are being raised are so different than when I was raising my kids. Because mm -hmm. what, I, I my daughter knows this. <laughs> um, I'm so aware of the words that we are using, you know, because it's all getting embedded now. Mm -hmm. I'm very aware of his education, the people who are talking into him, you know, all the things. I'm more concerned about him mentally, both of them, than I am with their education, their careers, all the stuff. When the focus comes off of all of the traditional things that we cared about for our kids and gets put on the one thing that will end the need for suicide intervention programs, which is mental and emotional resilience. This ability to be optimistic for no reason. To well, I call it the poop. When your family is full of poop, you are focused on the power of optimism and positivity. In that moment, suicide will be less of a thing. You know me, I want to make it a thing of the past. Right. You and me both, sister. Uh, it's just the whole, re you know, the whole reason I pivoted my whole career in speaking and coaching is because I'm just super focused on the kids right now as much as you are. And it's it it gives me encouragement to be able to align with people like you, Jackie, that are on this mission. Right. Yeah. Well, you can work with the kids because I follow good directions like the ones on a bottle of aspirin where it says take two and keep away from children. I work with the grown-ups because the grown-ups can handle my intensity and I can get in your face. And the reason I'm willing to get in your face is 23 years of silence 
And my daughter did not survive a suicide attempt. She survived 14. 13 of them occurred while she was getting professional help from intervention specialists. If you think your kid is okay because they're getting professional help, think again. It was a very shocking lesson for me. Well, oh, Jackie, tell us again where people can find all the information that you have created. Super simple. Teen, T-E-E-N, Suicide Prevention Society.com. And they can also find the song there. And you're going to want to listen to that song. Yes, you shared that with me. It's so lovely. And um, I just, again, I'm so honored about what, with what you're doing, what you, your daughter, uh, such amazing stuff. And I'm just, again, encouraged and inspired to align with people like you that are taking the things that are hard to talk about and bring it to light to help other people. Because that's what it's really all about. Break the silence. Save life. Thank you, Jackie. I appreciate you. We're going to bring you back again, I'm sure. <laughs> We've got a lot more to talk about, but I appreciate your time here today. Thank you. So thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Make, Moving Through and Beyond. I'm Carrie Conley, your host, and I'm here to remind you to keep looking up. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, please share it with a friend or a family member. In order to be successful on this mission, I can't do it alone. Connect with me at www.carrieconley.com. And don't forget to sign up for my weekly Do It On Purpose newsletter. Let's build this life-giving vision movement together to end this epidemic, save lives, and create purpose. <music>